Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. Happy Friday. I hope you're doing very well. We are doing great at I Am The Code. Thank you so much for your support, your love, and your kindness. You know, this week I've been talking about motherhood. It is so important that we look after women and girls all across the world. What is happening in Ukraine is affecting women and girls, as I said. As we celebrate Mother's Day this week, I've been thinking about women who are suffering in refugee camps, in communities, all across the world. The world needs to pay attention to the suffering of women and girls. I know sometimes we say women are strong, but I think we also need to start really paying attention to their mental health, to the way they are dealing with their families, the lack of funding, lack of money, lack of support. I really think we should think about this globally. This week, I was very lucky personally to celebrate Mother's Day. I'm a very proud mother of a beautiful son. One of the things I was thinking as well is not many women will have the chance to celebrate. Being a mother is a privilege. We had a lovely day with my son. We went for work and had lovely food. You know, each time you support I Am The Code, you are elevating all the women and all the girls globally. So please remember to support I Am The Code. Our mission is to get 1 million women and girls to learn how to code by the year 2030. I am working extremely hard to make sure women have infrastructure, they have content, they have connectivity, they are part of the global workforce, they can get jobs. When women have money, they help their communities. When a woman is successful, many women will be successful in her community. So please remember to support I Am The Code. My guest this week is a wife, a new stepmother, somebody who really cares about social inclusion and finance. She has been working for a very long time in the investment industry. But today she is working at the United Nations Joint Sustainable Development Goals 2030. They're investing in businesses, investing in projects all across the world to advance and transform our world. Her name is Elaine Smith Ginzer. Elaine and I are both young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. We met many years ago when we both got nominated. We had this sisterhood bond together. I like what she does, her intuition, all the stuff she does is really, really fascinating. I invited her to come today to talk about her journey, the work she does, you know, her new life in America as a Brazilian woman. But at the same time, we want to pay tribute our fellow young global leader, Simon Miles. Simon was an amazing man. I met him in China when the World Economic Forum invited us there. He was so kind and compassionate. He came to me and said, heard about I Am The Code. What can I do to help you? I said to him, listen, we don't have funding. We really need some support. And he made it a mission from that moment to really support the I Am The Code Foundation. He went across the UBS bank, make sure that we have our first ever grant and funding. He was really kind, compassionate, 
but also he care about the community. He will go his way to support so many, many young global leaders. He will invite us to Switzerland to meet their wealthy clients. He was just so kind. And Ellen and I want to take this opportunity on behalf of young global leaders to pay him a tribute. Uh, I hope his family is listening. If you are listening from Simon's family, our condolences. We are sorry for your loss. Simon have made history. Because of Simon, our young women and girls all across the world are learning how to code because we got the funding we needed to support them. We want to thank you so much for your support, your love and your kindness. We pray for you. Keep strong. As a community, we will never forget Simon Miles. I personally will not forget Simon Miles because at the infancy of I Am The Code, he was there. He genuinely cared about me personally, also cared about our community. I know there are so many, many people today in the community who will remember him for his kindness, his really go-getter attitude. He doesn't give up when he wants something. He definitely will get it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Elaine and I will see you on the other side. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Another Friday. And this time I've got my beautiful friend and sister, Ellen Smith. We're going to talk about different things today. As you probably may know and will feel on our voices, we are very, very sad to lose a common friend, but we will go into details to honor him, but at the same time, talk about the global situation. The friend we lost, I wanted that person to come on this podcast. You know, the I Am The Code podcast is almost a service to humanity. I want to invite people to come and share their ideas and you never know what's going to happen across the world. So I'm happy that we can record her voice and record all the amazing work she's doing at the United Nations, but also now she's a mother. So let me just see if Ellen is on the line. Ellen, are you there? Hi, I am here. How are you? Oh, good morning. How is everything? Well, it has been a tough week. Uh, you mentioned that a, a little bit, but um, I think there's still work to be done and there is life to live. So I think we plow to it and continue. I want to tell everyone listening why I invited you. I think you are really the epitome of resilience. You've been through so much in your life. I'm sure you're watching what's happening across the world today. You are somebody who put people together and try to find peace. You are married to an amazing man who has been helping so many people with their human rights issues and all of that. So a couple of things I think you've done that I really want to congratulate you on, but also appreciate you is your resilience, your kindness. I know that you are very involved with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Would you mind just sharing a little bit with our audience who you are and why you do what you do? Thank you, Marianne, for the invitation. So I'm Elaine. I live in the Washington, D.C. area, but I am originally from Brazil. I am a former investment banker. I worked for 19 years in the industry of uh, trading stock, mostly in my home country, Brazil, but also internationally for uh, the three largest investment banks in the United States. And about 11 years ago, I changed careers. I had the opportunity to do that and make a complete shift to working in social and economic development. But with such a substantial background in business, my passion was always to make sure that business could be done in a different way, more humane, more in a way that helps people and not only a few people. 
For the last 11 years, I've been working in international organizations, including the World Economic Forum, where for three years I was heading the banking community of members of the World Economic Forum that goes to Davos and the CEOs meet, and also two years in partnerships and engagement for the World Bank. And recently, for the last two years, working at the United Nations Joint SDG Fund. And as the name say, the fund really fundraises for uh, member states to to work in other countries in programs that are can jointly influence multiple SDGs using or being implemented by multiple agencies of the UN and have a theory of change that can bring actual solutions to problems that we have, but having a lens that is much broader than one problem at a time. So if you are working with education or kids or and famine, how can you make that SDG focus? So when you create jobs, you make sure that, you know, the gender equality is being brought up. If you are building for resilience, how can you make sure that it's a green and renewable way of using resources? So all the multiple ways of looking into SDGs is how we deliver our programs. You've been traveling, you know, you traveled and worked in so many, many organizations. How has the pandemic affected you and your family? Absolutely. I am Brazilian, so I have my original family living in Brazil, brothers, uh, my parents, of course, all my lifehood friends. And now I have another family here in the United States where I got married and I have two wonderful stepkids, uh, 10 and 13 years old, uh, and their families. I mean, my husband's parents, his sister, her family. So I have my family divided into different countries, which is the case for a lot of us. I mean, a lot of people have that situation. And for two years, um, you are so isolated. The lockdown really makes you live with your core family or made you live probably managing your kids and your spouse and not being able to see the parents, not being able to see brothers and sisters and nephews. And that for a Latin person like me is really, really hard because we are used to have big families and have big conversations around the table. Uh, and if you are also somebody that works internationally for international development, you have work across the globe. You have networks across the globe. So the lockdown also made that to be restricted into screens, into Zoom screens and team screens and how to make sure that the work that you have to do continues without that physical element of being together and creating trust. So we had to learn how to create trust and continue the work of development uh, in a very different environment that is from our own kitchen uh, to work across the globe in development. And where did you study? America or in Brazil? I lived in Brazil for most of my adult life. I studied in college business. I did my MBA in business. And later in life, when I was already changing my career to work in social development, I could go to Harvard Business School, Harvard Kennedy School, and I did a number of different educational programs uh, that cross from leadership into sustainability and environment through the main universities in the world. So it's a combination of both the building blocks in Brazil and the more currently internationally. When you think about this, why do we need to accelerate the Sustainable Development Goals? The UN was able to announce in 2015 what were the goals, where we should be in an agenda with the lens or the calendar of 2030. 
now we are eight years off that agenda and we are very, very far to achieving those goals. We have less time than before, of course. The two years of the pandemic set us back in a lot of targets that we had because of the situation. So a number of different things uh, got worse because of the pandemic. There is an, a sense of emergency and a sense of urgency to how to achieve those goals. Unfortunately, the world will not change if the goals are not achieved. This is the number, but they're real lives. They are being affected every day if those goals are not achieved. So it's not only a number that are to be achieved. We are trying to transform people's lives and the world as a planet while uh, we work every day and we are f very far from it. No, I totally understand. You know, one of the things we discussed earlier is what is happening across the world. Uh, by the way, my condolence, um, you know, with our common friend we lost just a couple of days ago. I know how much you care about, you know, our community. You and I are very lucky to be young global leaders from the World Economic Forum. So I express my condolence to the community and to you as well. You know, Ellen, when you think about us leaders, You know, we are now in our 40s, nearly 50s, so we are not young anymore. When you think about, you know, what is happening across the world, people leading us, but at the same time, we are losing so many wonderful human beings. Do you have any tips or any idea on, on how we can be, you know, better human beings and stop this war, be at peace, be more kind, more compassionate? So I don't have a solution for that. I wish I did. But just as you mentioned, this week we lost a friend to a disease that we have no control or no cure as we speak, that is cancer. And in the other hand, we have a conflict situation affecting not only Europe uh, and the countries there are in the surroundings of the ones being attacked or invaded, but also with the threat of changing the ecosystem of crops and harvest and the food system in the next years because Europe is a big producer of a lot of grains that feed people and they feed animals that become protein that people eat. So that could be avoided. We could not avoid our friends passing because, you know, we don't have a cure for cancer, but there should be a cure for geopolitical situations. There should be a more strong idea on how wars can be avoided and, and countries are not invaded and the, all their uh, sovereignty are not at risk. So for that, I think we as humans are failing because this is totally human made and should be humanly avoided. When you see the mothers and the children crying, how do you feel about it? Oh, it's very sad because you think about your family and a lot of times not only looking at them and feeling their suffering, but there is also some guilt on how fortunate we are because currently we are not living in a war. So how can we deal as humans with that sense that that mother could be me or their child could be my child? And it's not. And thank God it's not. But what can I do if I feel that way, if I feel that it could be me or it could be my friend or I could know that person that is suffering? What can I do to extend my arm and reduce their suffering? And if everybody would think that, I'm sure the wars would not be created because as humans, we would put ourselves in other people's shoes instead of only watching into the TV and say, oh, how terrible that is. 
it's not only that it could be you. And if we are afraid or if you respect that, if it was us, we would not like that to happen at all, we would avoid it. I totally agree with you. It makes me feel so sad to see young girls and boys and people dying on, on TV. I don't even watch the news now. It's, it's just terrible. But let me ask you, where did you get this empathy, this kindness, this resilience from? Can you tell us a little bit about how you were raised? So I was raised very religious. My family in Brazil is Protestant and, and it's a minority because even though it's a Christian country, it is still majority Catholic and being the only kid that was Protestant in school and having your friends with different experiences around when they were 11 years old, 12 years old, doing the first communion, I would ask my parents, who is my godmother? Or, you know, when I'm going to, can I eat the, the, the little bread that they give in the church for my friend's first communion? And we always felt different, not recriminated, but there were things that we were supposed to do and things that you're not supposed to do. And my family was still very humble in a way that we would have our education from school and not have a lot of exposure to the entire world. But it was successful. I was a very good student. Um, I tried hard to break the idea women have to only get married and have children. I wanted to be a professional. I look at my father as a role model because I would see him getting to work every day. What did your father do then? My father was an executive of an airline. As a normal executive in the 70s and 80s, he would dress, put on a suit and tie and leave in every morning with a suitcase and come back at 6.30 p.m. for dinner. And some days I would go to his office and play with the staples and paper and scissors. And that was very exciting for me because I saw him in a very different way than, you know, my dad playing with us or watching the news. So it was a life that I aspired. And with that, I studied business. I mean, I felt that idea. And that is where my world really opened because you started to be exposed to people that were much more educated than you. And you had always to catch up on that education to make sure that you knew what was going on, that, you know, you didn't watch TV only for entertainment. You watched TV to learn about what was going on in the world and what was the difference, how privileged we were in certain things with weather and nature, catastrophes happening across the globe and Brazil being sun sunny and, uh, you know, we have all the food that we could eat. And then, you know, wars happening across the globe. I mean, in the 90s, there was uh, Iran, Iraq and Kuwait war. So learning about that, you know, having your family that is very far from all those different experiences, I was always very curious to see that and trying to empathize that although it was not my life, I wanted to relate to that. You have this sense of empathy and fairness and, and justice. W what makes you upset if you don't see, you know, something that is fair? My cause is the general engagement that anyone, not only individuals, but corporates, governments, organizations, everyone should think beyond themselves. Everyone should put themselves on the shoes of others. So my current work, because of my background in business, is to really have business done in a different way. It's not only product or the other service that a company is creating, but also how that can influence the lives of many, my customers, my stakeholders, or uh, my employees. So that fires my belly up because it's, uh, it's something that I feel that I have the background to work with. But in any things that even sometimes we see and I love that people have different passions. I love when I see somebody really passionate about kids or in your case, girls learning about technology and some people working with animals and some people working with the environment. I love to see that 
passion. And that is the passion that fuels me to see the transformation and the change that we need in the world. If we don't have that passion, if we don't have different interests, if everybody cares only about the environment, people will starve. There are no kids and no education or no elderly being taken care of. So we need a balance of those interests. And my passion is how to change business or how to make sure that business put themselves in the shoes of humans and the environment, not to hurt them. So there's a a proactiveness of how to do the business. What am I creating as a product or what am I creating as a service, but also not to do harm, not not to harm the environment, not to harm the consumer, how to create something that is positive. You know, that's so amazing what you just said. Our podcast is a classroom. Right now you have boys and girls all across the world listening to you right now. If you have a, a lesson to give to these young boys who, you know, they lie probably upside down. We have some girls right now sitting in Ukraine all across the world. People are feeling a little bit, oh my God, what's going to happen to me in the next five, 10 years? If you have any lesson or any lesson of resilience or tenacity or empathy you can share with our audience, what would that be? I would say that as a young person, you tend to think that your equals or the kids or the teenagers or your friends understand you more or respect your ideas more than your elders, your parents, your family, your teachers. And there is that tension between generations. I mean, the younger generation always think that the older generation is too old or they don't know any better. They don't suffer the same sufferings or the same problems that I suffer. And my idea, it's like how to respect that experience, how to respect the elders, your parents, your teachers, your mentors, people that have been here in this planet for longer than you lived through different things, lived through situations that you did not leave, um, and how to use that experience in your favor with your circumstance, with your suffering, with your learnings, because there is always an exchange. There is always something that you need to learn. So it's not that your parents are telling you what to do, but they are giving you their experience to say, if I were you, because everything I've seen in life, I would do different because they have been around 20, 30 years more than you. Think about those 20, 30 years more than you and everything that they can help you with that experience. I guess they can they can probably be more closer to, to elders, but also ask questions, right? Exactly. I mean, of course, the situations are different. Of course, the world changes. But everything that they've seen uh, is not to be disregarded. So don't look only to your peer, to people at the same level as you. Look for experience. Look for the ones that can teach you from their perspective how they look at things, because they can really open your eyes and give you different ideas on how the world is. Ellen, I know you have a lot of friends and a lot of people who guide you, but can you remember who guided you as you grow as a woman, but also who's your mentor today? Well, I had a lot of mentors. It's, it would not be fair to say, you know, this person really was the one. But I think one of my passions was to cherish and, and really uh, nurture those relationships and 
being respectful of um, this experience of the mentorship that your parents can be bringing you or your teachers or your grandparents and how to nurture that in a way that it's not only you receiving the, the, the mentoring, but what are you giving back? And sometimes pride is something to give back. Sometimes when you your parents see you excelling in school or in the sport or even your professional life, that feeling of achievement, they're proud and they think, oh, I did something right. And that is also something that you need to recognize that your accolades are not only yours. Your accolades are influenced by everybody around you, people that support you, people that are there serving your lunch uh, while you are studying a book. I mean, those are people that support your nourishment. So for that, I would say that I don't have a one person, but there are two people or three that I could I could mention. My direct family, my grandmother, my the mother of my mother was a woman ahead of her time. She really suggested that we should study. She didn't barely knew how to to read and and write her name, but she really saw the future that we could break that chain of of living um, in poverty and ignorance, going to school and opening your horizons. And of course, my father giving me that backbone of being uh, responsible, of being on time, of to serve your your employer. Um, And I think those two individuals together with my mom was building block for everything to happen. So I felt very lucky to have role models at home that would show me how to be responsible, being on time, being, you know, trying to be the best as I could. You are very punctual. <laughs> and not only that, I mean, I... I- I my, my my I always say my main competition is myself. I always try to do the best I can. So I don't look uh, on my side to see who is competing with me. I'm trying to beat myself every day and try to do better. So I think I got that from my dad. Uh, the the idea of what we can always do in a different way I got from my grandmother. And I think the nurturing and supporting others around you I got from my mother. So I think those are things maybe you don't know you you are not born with but you learn from looking and how people behave and in seeing that behavior as um something that will help you in everything else now if you're responsible if you're punctual if you try to exceed yourself you will be a good student you will be a good employee you will have accolades you'll be uh, promoted to things you achieve financial stability in your life so those are things that if you um, if you work, I mean, this the, the way of working hard. I mean, I don't I don't like to simplify as that. There's a number of things that represent success, right? It's that if you do uh, things um, the right way, uh, good things will happen to you, hopefully. Because I think you know the state of the world remain absolutely complex right now. So you know you and I are lucky to be, like I said earlier, part of a different network. But many people may not be able to do that in the next twenty years. So I think to your point, learning how to be punctual, respecting people, building relationship right now is absolutely crucial. And and that led me to my next question to you: What does sustainability means to you? Well, sustainability for me is something that how can um, continue? I mean, there is a continue. It's not something that you act now and there is an end to it. It's how you can continue with that change that you created. And it's funny that I am 
very bad in a couple of things. I, I'm bad in exercising that I know it's, it would be good for my body. I'm bad in taking care of my brain. I don't meditate and I know that it's going to be good to my brain if I do those kind of things. But sustainability for me is to start something knowing that I can continue. So I, if I know that I would not be able to dedicate an hour of my day and I need to do the baby steps, I need to do the 10 minutes every day, for me, it's a process. And sustainability is also a process. I don't want to do something for a week or like a diet or an exercise or you know run a marathon and then hurt my leg on the way. So how to make sure that you change your habits, you change the way of doing things that for me is sustainability because it's not only acting for something in the short term is for the future and if you do that how to change the way you deal with the environment how you change the way you eat how you change the way of business are being done or how the governments are dealing with their citizens you break the chains of how things are done and are working and you can transform into something better so for me that's sustainability one of the things we do at i am the code is to teach young women and girls how to code and our goal is to give them the skills of tomorrow they can join the global workforce, but including technology. You know, you probably have more than 20 years of experience in working. What are the critical skills do you have, you know, that as a leader that you can share with our boys and girls listening to you right now? It's very hard to find a balance. You either are looking in everything that you do right and that you excel and where you're great on. And so these are your talents, things that when you're invited to a gathering, a dinner, is like, oh, I'll bring the dessert. Or, you know, this is something I do well. Nobody will say I'll bring the dessert if they are lame baker, right? Um, so it's something that you are proud of what you can do. And there's plenty of that. And I think as a leader, trying to listen to others, trying to be empathetic, trying to put yourself in, in the shoes of the of the other ones is something that I, I think I, d- I do well. Of course, it's always very easy as well to look for your flaws and things that you could be doing better. And I do a lot of that exercise, almost too much because I beat myself a lot. And for me, I don't think uh, of myself as a dreamer. It's not that I am always thinking about a future or a plan or something that I did not execute. But one of the things that I think it's a major flaw or a different um, way that I would love to be different. Um, and I try that a lot is uh, trying to be present because if if for me it's very difficult to be present in a conversation or not multitask or talk to someone about current work not thinking about my responsibility um, in the next meeting or even you know with my kid going to school right I mean we are always doing multiple things and with that I feel that I'm not fully present into one conversation. So make it hard to do what I think I do best. That is, I mean, how can I be empathetic? How can I do the best I can if I'm talking to someone in front of me, but also thinking about my kid pick up in school? So it, it is the, the, that balance, the, the pendle of, um, you know, what you do well, but also the things that is hard for you and how to live your life. So I think that would be, you know, something I would say, enjoy your talents, do the things that you do well, but make sure that you are always observing the things that you could be doing better and try to live with that. I mean, it's it's hard to change, but try to live with that. If you identify, if you know 
what you could be doing better. You're always coming back to that point and trying to execute or act in a different way. You have the skill of tidiness and you're very organize anyway we try to put everyone together to to get things done right creating impact that's one of the skills you have as well i think i saw that in the community thank you i always make fun of myself and i say i'm more organized than clean because i don't have that craziness about being clean but it's something that it's also about thinking on how you behave so if you do your work or if you are baking a cake or if you are preparing for a party or if you are taking your kids to school what do you do you're only taking care of that task your kitchen would be a mess i mean i'm baking a cake and you know there'll be you know, everything dirty and then part of that process is to stop and clean up later it's part of it for me i always thought that if I take my time and do things a tiny bit slower, but I don't make a mess, it's not that I need to clean up later. It's already organized or it's pre-organized. It's how to do it in a way that I have less work later or I, I maximize what I need to do. So thinking about the process, if I need to clean up later or if I, let's say I'm taking notes of a meeting, I'm a note taker. If I do on my notebook, great. I mean, I'm writing and I'm thinking at the same time. But if I do straight to the computer that I know I need to send minutes to the rest of the team, you know, I'm saving time, right? I mean, it's something that I can do in a different way. So this tidiness or this way of doing things is always something that I put through my day to day because otherwise I think the day is short for everything that we need to do and I try to to maximize the way things are done. We all have 24 hours all of us I was saying to my son we everyone each of us have 24 hours <laughs> you know there's no extra time for anybody else so but I can see your adaptability maybe when you were young your dad bringing you to the office you're sitting down there seeing everything was tidy I'm sure your mom was also tidy cooking for the house everything so you know our childhood memories also kind of like uh, you know take us further I guess. I agree. It's very hard to be the one that is different in the family, right? If there was somebody, we all, we used to say the different one or the weird one. If your house is very organized and you are the messy one, you are recognized as the messy one. You people point is like you are the messy one. I mean, who can live in this room or what? What do you? So um, it's it's very hard to be the one that is different. The other way around, if the entire family is messy and you are tidy, you suffer because you try to keep everybody on your standard um, that is a little different. So I, I don't think there is a right or wrong, but how you find peace on things that you are doing and try not to impose that on another's. I mean, I cannot impose my tightness on people, on my family, because it will make me suffer. It will make them suffer. And I can always tell I think if you do this way, it's better. That could help them, but not necessarily impose um, what I think because I'm not the owner of the truth. Like, I mean, it's, 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 it's something that I, I do my way. Um, I just think it's better and I have my reasons for it, but, uh, but everybody uh, have their own will and their own desire on how to do things. Absolutely. But also when you have children, they, they teach you so much. Now you oh are. Oh my God, you know? <laughs> so much. We learned that it's literally none. Uh, I mean, you have, have uh, one kid, two kids, three kids. You're all different. I mean, they're not the same. Um, they like different things. They are their own little 
person, their own little minds. Um, and uh, I have wonderful stepkids. And I was thinking this morning, some parents are super happy with their successes, their ac accolades and how good students they are. Some parents are just happy if their kids shower every day. Some things are more basic um, that, uh, you know, success is, is something very relative. You cannot... Uh, put what you think is success to everyone. What advice do you give to young boys and girls? Now you are a mother, you have, you know, stepkids, you have a husband, you're in a family living in America. What sort of advice do you have to young boys and girls now listening to you? Be curious as much as you can. Try to use all the technology, all the information that you have at your disposal and always question Try to look into, I don't know, maybe nowadays is uh, TikTok. And those people are just giving you a piece of what they are. And they are not the owners of the truth either. I mean, they are not the only one. So if somebody that you see and you respect and you admire is very different than your family, just respect both. I mean, there is no one that is right uh, or wrong um, and trying to embrace that with curiosity, trying to be open and try to learn different things. Otherwise, you become very isolated. You become very one-sided view uh, of things. And that's the opposite of what the world needs. I mean, we need people to be empathetic, to think about the other, to, you know, I'm not going to destroy my a park that I am right now because somebody's coming tomorrow. So how can you make, can I make sure that I think about the future? And it's not only about myself. Oof, you gave so many advice to these young boys and girls listening to you, but let me come back to you again, to your own person. Like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, you have done so much for people and you're very humble. And I'm so happy that now you found happiness and have husband and you are a stepmother. But when you think about your life and what would you say to the youngest Ellen today in 2022? Ooh, all the things that I should have done and I didn't. We only regret things if we do, right? And I think I try to learn from the regrets, uh, from things that I've done that I wasn't supposed to and things that I didn't do that if I did, I would probably live a very different life. It's very common for people to look to the past with nostalgia, like the past was better and currently um, not so much and the future can be much better. I mean, you don't expect your future to be worse. Uh, you're always working to be better. So I look at my past with the same respect that I look into, you know, the conversations we have uh, with people that are more experienced with you. This is your older self. This is all the experience and the baggage that you can bring to you. So you learn with that. Uh, you are what you are today because of your past. So I don't think it's to regret, but to use those things that you might not consider, as, you know, something good, you might consider a failure, as I've learned with that on either how to do differently or not how to do things. And that is probably a way to be respectful of everything that you've done so far and, you know, honor everyone that you've met in the past, honor everything that you did, uh, even if it was not good. I mean, we are warriors in life and we sometimes do things that we are not proud of, but how to use that experience in, in your favor. So if I were to tell something for my younger self and say, 
live life as you know what life brings to you and try to remember what you need to do. So it, I think it's the best way to behave is to respect your past and, and learn from it. That's beautiful. The other thing I want to do, Ellen, right now is to appreciate you. You know, you are really an amazing person. Today is a very difficult day for us, especially this week. We have lost our friend. You know, we are part of a, an amazing community of the World Academic Forum that made me meet you, made me meet so many, many people and vice versa. So I want to appreciate you on this podcast and just to say thank you so much for being who you are. And thank you for being a, an amazing member of the YGL community of the World Academic Forum. And we pass our condolences to, to the entire community, but also to the family of Simon Miles. Oh, so Ellen Smith, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. And anything else you want to share? I, of course, I would like to express my condolences and that my heart goes to family members, friends, um, Simon Miles, who will be missed. Uh, he was an amazing individual, an amazing person that would really move mountains to help people. And I think that legacy uh, will be remembered from all of us. And hopefully we can learn from experiences that people talk, how amazing he was and try to do the same thing. I also like to acknowledge you, Maria. Thank you for doing this podcast. Thank you for bringing people that can share their lives and their experiences with boys and girls and how important it is that you are trying to share this with the warmth that you do because you're not bringing people that say you should do this this way and you know it's not about the, the people bringing their rules or their ways of being but uh, you nourish the experiences that a lot of us have and you try to bring that to boys and girls that can use that in their advantage they can use that to learn and respect and to think about their own future so thank you for doing what you do and thank you for being an amazing person as well thank you for being my friend you know the podcast is a library for greatness and uh, i really wanted to have simon on this podcast one of my saddest thing this week is that we nearly booked a time together and i think that if we came to the podcast today we could all listen to his voice and i think i do this because i really feel that we are getting old and, and we have done so much. People don't like doing their own publicity and talking about themselves. But you guys have done so much work for the world. You know, you've been resilient. You are tenacious. You've done so much work for so many people. Especially you, you've really helped the community. You work very hard and you suffered. You also had challenges in your life. But today we are so happy that you found an amazing husband who's helping other people across the world, including refugees. We also have, you know, two beautiful children. So, Anne Smith, on behalf of... I am the code, the girls, everyone listening. Thank you so much for being who you are. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you. I was really moved to listen to Ellen Smith. Ellen is really awesome. You know, I'm so happy that Ellen has found love and happiness and now has got a new family that she's looking after. It's really, really beautiful. We all evolve in life. We all transform ourselves. We all move and do something better for everyone. As I said about Simon, he will be remembered in history. He will be remembered for being kind, compassionate, reaching out, helping others, elevating people, making connections, and knowing that he had a privilege and he had connections and helping people like us will help other people. So that was really moving. That's what I've learned this week. I've also learned that you must follow your intuition, your gut feeling. Don't hesitate to help people. If you really feel you should 
go out there and help out because your actions will remain. As you grow, you also must listen to your body, your mind. Think about how you can make a difference in this world. Time is too short. Stop thinking, start acting. You have been listening to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Marie Mjam. I am very sad that we have lost Simon. He was really a good man. Don't forget to subscribe to the I Am The Code podcast and kindly share this. We're a very small team at I Am The Code, totally dedicated to making the world a better place by creating inspiring content for people who want to do better and be better. People like Ellen Smith, they want to do better and they want to be better and they want the world to be better for everyone. I want to thank my editor, Max, and the entire I Am The Code team. Thank you so much for holding on. Thank you to all the board members, the volunteers, whoever come to I Am The Code. Whatever you are doing, it doesn't matter how small it is, you are making a difference. Thank you so much. Don't forget to donate to the I Am The Code Foundation. Every dollar count. I want to wish you a lovely Friday. Again, my condolences to the family of Simon Miles. This podcast is a tribute to Simon Miles on behalf of all the young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. I'm signing off, wishing a wonderful Friday, and I will see you next week. Thank you, and goodbye.